Welcome back to DNC in 23. I'm Alex. I'm joined by Dave. The gang's all here. We're both here, baby. Back together. And we're talking all things Thursday, June 22nd, second day of summer at City Field in New York City. I would love to make a joke right here about like the home of the second best baseball team in New York, mm. but there are no good baseball teams in New York. So yeah, not right now. So we can't, as two diehard Yankee fans, we can't really talk any of that of that mess right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Plus, Mayor was rocking a Mets jersey last night, so I think we got to let the Mets have this one tonight. That's fair. I will say our friend Mike at about half past dead. If you uh, want to follow him on Instagram, he made the artwork for this episode. He's he's our he's our bud. First of all, congrats to him on having his absolutely bogus criminal charges for copyright infringement being dropped. That's very exciting. There we go. Nice. But also he made a great Mets hat that he showed us like the prototype of in Atlanta that is like a Mets symbol. And then it's Bart Simpson spray paying spray painting sucks um, (laughs) next to it. Uh, And there are some other cool touches on it. He's got another one designed for these upcoming shows in Boston. So shout out to about half past dead. Go find him on the lot. And, uh, and buy some of his wares. He makes great artwork and you will dig it and you'll dig him. He's a good guy. So yeah, hey, speaking of the lot, shout out to certified pothead Howard Weiner was doing some some selling at the at Shakedown uh for these last two days at the City Field shows. And in SPAC, you guys just didn't run into each other. Yeah, just missed him. Which it would have been awesome if you would have run into him wearing the shirt with his book's cover on it, but that's all right. Yeah, I, I was repping it. I was repping him. Um, but unfortunately paths didn't cross yeah it's it too fucking crowded yeah that's what i heard <laughs> um both from your episode about it and from the masses so anyways a show that was not too crowded was this show on the 22nd at city field let's get into it this was dead and co's 11th and final time playing at this venue um you know i, I think it's either that or wrigley that are like the number one most played venue I don't remember I thought, what we said for Wrigley. I think we said that with this second show in New York, they were gonna City Field it. then takes the number one spot because it has 11 and Wrigley has 10. 10. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, City Field is Dead & Co.'s home away from home. Not too far from where John Mayer grew up in Connecticut either. Probably 45-minute drive, if that, uh, to, to his hometown. So, uh, I mean, literally a, a hometown show for him. Um. So as far as our boots on the ground, we don't, didn't get many reports about what last night's show was like. I know that the weather was a little bit crappy night one of this stand. Last night, the weather looked beautiful. It looked like a great night for a show. So I'm sure everyone enjoyed that. Uh, Dave and I went to night two at City Field last year, and Dave went to both nights. So we both have some familiarity with what it's like to see a show in this venue. You know, not the best acoustics, but not bad. Not bad at all. It ends up being a really nice place to to watch a show. And like you were saying, Dave, about the Wrigley shows, baseball stadiums just know how to move people in and out. And especially in New York. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Great place to, to watch a show. It's always good to see the dead in New York city. Yeah. They left it all on the table for a venue that I think is special. Well, in a city that is special to all of them. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the set list. Uh, these city field shows, uh, moving, they moved slightly backward. So they have been starting at seven and ending at 11, but we're in the city that never sleeps. So there's no 11 o'clock curfew. They could play until 1130, which means that they were starting at 730. So the band hit the stage around 745 last night and they opened with Feel Like a Stranger. 
that was one of my picks in estimated profits. It felt like they were long overdue for it. And so many people, um, I think that for myself and three other people all had trucking and feel like a stranger because both felt like such chalk. So I was kind of like, oh, nice too. I gained ground. I didn't gain ground on any of the people who are ahead of us in the standings because everyone basically got to. Um, so feel like a stranger. I thought that it was a pretty great opening. I loved the jam toward the end of this song. It just felt like the entire band was so comfortable in it. I especially loved Mayer's playing and just some really authoritative drumming during that back end jam. Uh, it just was delightful. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to give credit to the start of the back end jam, back end jam to O'Teal. Like he started to get a little, little more bounce as the song went on and then everyone else kind of picked up on it. Love it. So you have a note on our shared sheet uh, for the next song, Franklin's Tower. I do. A surprise. It was a surprise to me because SPAC night two, which was just Sunday, only two shows ago, I got to help slip Frank in set two of SPAC night two. So they only had one show in between City Field night one. And then they came out with with a Franklin's Tower. But this is not the first time this tour that they've only taken a one or two show break between songs. So I, but still a surprise to see it come up again that quick. It also, I don't know if you remember this, but in 2021, you saw them in Raleigh and they played Help Slip Frank. And then two shows later, you saw them in Philly and they played Franklin's Tower as a standalone. That they show did. too. And a standalone in set one as well. So yep. yes, exactly. So you've been, you've been, you've been the boots on the ground for this before. <laughs> Right. So um, I thought that this was a, a really good Franklin's. Jeff was bringing the heat on that Hammond B3 organ of his. And then Mayor Solo, after we rolled away the dew, was really great. The beginning to me was like controlled chaos. Just a few bars where it was like, he's fitting about a million notes into each measure. <laughs> and it sounded wonderful. So I thought that this was a really good Franklin's to to keep set one rolling right along. Yeah. And then from Franklin's into Mama Tried, which the crowd ate up. Yeah. Because um, of that Jeff and John chemistry just on yeah. full display throughout this song. Really great solos by both. And then that continued in Alabama Getaway. I mean, Jeff rocked the organ in Alabama Getaway, as he usually does with that song. Yeah. This um, was a lot of fun. It was only like four minutes long by my count. Yeah. Um, they don't ever really jam it out, but they just they just keep it hot the whole time. And then... yeah. Usually, and then they cut it. Uh, we should usually with these, we read the whole set. So I feel like we should do that. Um, well, at this like point, this, we're too deep. We'll do yeah. it for set two. We're, we're too deep now. So let's <laughs> just keep, let's keep going from Alabama getaway into weirdly what I, I thought was the highlight of set one. Uh, the dear Mr. Fantasy into Hey Jude combo I agree with you. I agree. Uh, that we were fortunate enough to see in New York City last Isn't year. Basically, same exact slot in the set list. It was, I believe that they played it as like the penultimate basically moment of set one last year. Didn't they? I feel like they, I thought they played it kind of early in set one when we saw it last year, I thought it was like hmm. playing uncle John, dear Mr. Fantasy. Could have been. Yeah. That would check out, but they've been for this tour this year, they've been consistently playing this in like that penultimate set one slot, like kind of the, jammier end to set one mm -hmm. that they've been playing with around with this well this i think was the if you include the jam after hey jude this was the jammiest moment of set one because so like 
Dear Mr. Fantasy has this really, like the first solo that Mayer had, very restrained. And not what I was expecting because Mm -hmm. leading into that, both Mickey and Jay were absolutely hammering those drums. Like it felt like a natural entree into a just a solo that he would just start smoking hot on. But instead, he started with this restrained, like a tiger lurking in the tall grass. Then the second solo, well, during that solo, he just kept building and building and building. He got into this really nice bluesy segment. And then the second solo just absolutely smoldered. It was like the guitar lift off of lava just absolutely (laughs) so hot and then he really continued with it the same thing that we experienced when we saw this in raleigh earlier this summer the jam that bridges the gap from fantasy to jude was just just scorching hot and then the jam after hey jude sounded great and i was like i am really not sure where they're going with this you know the the one that these end of first set jams that we've heard, sometimes it's like, okay, this sounds like birdsong or like, uh, you know, this sounds, I think this sounds like trucking. This one was not like that. It was total type two jam. And then like they dropped right into a trucking. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought that was really great. And I, I thought that O'Teal deserves a, a real shout out during that kind of in between jam because I mean, he sounded great. Yeah. I think this is, I thought that jam between Mr. Fantasy and Jude was the high point of set one. And then Mare was kind of doing his little, his best at an Indian bead string uh, weave attempt. Cause he just like kind of kept noodling under the na 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 part of Hey Jude. Like he was, he just was still going right into that jam into trucking a um, mm-hmm. little bit of a slower trucking slower by 2023 dead and company standards who kind of as a whole the theme this year has been the tempos up up from previous years yep um which is how i would also describe the next song the set closer deal one other Um, note on trucking real quick um i think it was during this song it might have been during the jam beforehand but bob switched from throughout the beginning of the set he was playing the d'angelico guitar that they're auctioning off mm -hmm. and it sounded great but then during trucking he moved on to his own paul reed smith guitar so different equipment and whatever the tone is on that, it was just wonderful. Very buttery compared to what his tone has been for. And I like the tone that he's been playing with absent that first night in LA. Hey, yeah. Um, his tone has been really good throughout this tour, but that one was like, Ooh, I like this guitar. And I think, I mean, I'm sure that it's because Mayer is like, he basically has become Paul Reed Smith himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that that's how Bob ended up with that guitar, but it sounded really good. So then as you were saying, deal. Yeah, I and don't get me wrong, a, a fantastic deal, but I would describe it as more of a a deal you can dance to than a deal you can go for a run to. Yeah. Like for example, the Cincy deal to open set two that you saw last year, you you could go for a run to that song. Like it it moves, it cooks. Go for a sprint to that song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this one was just it just had a little like a little more dancey bounce than like a rockin march i guess is how i would describe it but it's all yeah. good like it sounded great jeff sounded great um that's all no i completely agree there's a nice mayor solo on it that kind of gave way to a i'd say like a sweet jeff solo um not particularly long and not like a monster monster deal but 
I mean, I'm just never mad to hear this right. song. Same. So that was the conclusion of set one. And and now, uh, why don't you read us the entirety of set two, okay. Dave? <laughs> just to keep it consistent with what yeah. we've been doing all summer. I got uh, over set- my skis. <laughs> <laughs> set two, Scarlet into Fire to open it up. And then Estimated Profit into Eyes of the World, into Drums and Space, into a Miles Davis cover, all blues, into Cumberland Blues, into All Along the Watchtower, and then a Morning Dew set to closer with a broke down palace fairly well to new york city encore yeah so i only listened to the very beginning of this scarlet so far um i had the stream i was watching along on nugs like like many of you were but at the end of the first set which concluded right around nine o'clock dave our beloved alma mater, Mother So Dear, Wake Forest, they were going into like the seventh inning of a do-or-die, winner-take-all baseball game to make it to the final two in college baseball. Mm-hmm. And With the score still 0-0. Still 0-0. And uh, my wife, also a Wake Forest alum, and I were watching that. And I was just like, I have been listening and watching set one and taking notes while I've been watching the game. And it had been a lovely distraction to so that I wasn't getting like too emotionally invested in the baseball game. But then at that point I was like, all right, I owe it to this team to just be locked in for the rest. And so I was thinking like, Oh, I'll listen to set two and watch set two this morning. And I just, it's been a busy day at work, so I didn't have time. So um, we still wanted to get this episode up. So I don't have any notes on set two. The beginning of Scarlet Begonias, I will say uh, Bob's voice was sounding a bit rough. Like Mm -hmm. he was stretching for some notes a little bit. Um, I don't know if that persisted throughout the second set, but one thing that you and I noticed last year at City Field is we were both so happy to be there and about the vibes that we didn't even notice that Bob's voice was like completely gone. <laughs> <laughs> like when you listen to night two from City Field last year, I think it was July 16th or something like that. Um, he has no voice, especially in the second set. Like he is struggling, but in the in the barn, he didn't notice at all. So I just hope that no, if we didn't notice either. And I've been listening to the taper version where like the crowd is as loud as Bob singing along with Scarlet Begonias. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that they had the same experience we did where they and their fellow heads to their left and right are singing so loud, singing along that they don't even notice. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I noticed that Bob's voice was a little, a little tired too. I I made it through the Scarlet fire before it was bedtime. Um, So the scarlet sounded good if not like noticeably slow kind of like the truck in like not slow compared to the grateful dead but slower than what they've been doing on this 2023 tour in general and it really kind of made the transition weird so Comenti sounded great on the piano and scarlet the standout moment of scarlet i thought was like the last 60 seconds where O'Teal's he played about 6,000 notes in just under 30 seconds. <laughs> like he, he started going all over the place and then they transitioned to fire with like an upbeat tempo. And it, it was, it was a weird transition because the Scarlet was so noticeably slow and it didn't transition at the same tempo. Mm. It was like on a dime, the drummers went up about 
15 to 20 beats per minute and it was noticeably faster so it wasn't that like good smooth groove into fire with then oteil's voice greeting you mm. it was like the bass and the drums noticeably changed and then oteil's voice so the transition was a little awkward a little clunky because the tempos were so different and then the fire kind of like it's been all year there's been nothing like to write home about or report on but it's just excellent singing from O'Teal and like an excellent upbeat bubbly version like it has been every time out um that was bedtime for me but i did i do want to note that um at 21st century dead also noted that the transition transitions um and the one in particular between estimated and eyes were was also a little clunky but that the play in in eyes and the play in in morning dew like really just stood out above the slightly awkward transitions nice uh also probably worth shouting out that this is only the second time they've played all blues the first was last year at wrigley and now last night so that's very special and um i definitely am really happy that everyone who was in the barn last night got to um got to be there for that and got to be a part of it so without further ado let's get into estimated profits so um the band's next show is tomorrow night, Saturday, June 24th, for the first of two shows at Fenway Park. My cousin Coco is going to be there for at least one, maybe both Ooh, nights. Cokes, nice. enjoy it if you're listening. Uh, I know that you'll have a, a great time, and it sounds like she's on a very fun road trip, which is just the best. Just, uh, yeah, soak it all up. Um, so shout out to Coco. Uh, so let's talk about what songs we think are going to be busted out during Fenway. We talked about this before this this past two night run at SPAC, the interest and intrigue of trying to choose which night your songs are going to be played. Yes. Uh, my strategy, as you could tell for City Field, was I knew that Ramble on Rose and Truckin' were both going to be played. So I picked them both for night one. Rose was played, not Truckin'. I went back, right back to it for night two. Um, and that that paid dividends for me. <laughs> um, so here's that, what I'm thinking for these Boston shows. So you noted this with your episode about saratoga it's back the first show was kind of a little spacier a little trippier the sunday show that i was at was definitively more of like a rock and roll get up and dance show Mm -hmm. if it's going to be the same vibe at boston is night one going to be the spacey one like it was at saratoga or is night two going to be the spacey one and night one is therefore going to be the the get up and dance night i don't know i i I want I want to believe they're going to flip it where night one is going to be a little more like happy, upbeat, get up and dance. And so with the first pick with that in mind, I'm going with a song they haven't played since Philly. I'm going with Jack Straw. I like it. Um, I really thought a lot about this. And Jack Straw was one of the five songs on my short list of what do I think they're going to play? I definitely okay. think they're going to play it this weekend. And I hope that you are right. And they play it night one. Um They've also been playing it once per week, all tour, and they haven't played it since Philly. So it's been more than a week. So they are definitely due. Right. Another song that that same exact logic applies to is my first pick, Brown Eyed Women. Yeah, that's coming one of the two nights. It is. And they've they've played it once a week, all tour. So they haven't played it since Philly. They're due. So I feel like that one is going to get played. It's just a question of, will it be on Friday or sorry, Saturday or Sunday? And I don't know. I just, I get the feeling it's going to be Saturday. They've rock the hell out of that song and it feels like a good 
like maybe the second song of the first set, um, bust out a nice brown eyed women and get the people up and moving. So that's my first pick. My second pick. All right. This one is a a deeper one, but I feel confident about this. They're going to play big river. I don't know which night, but I'm guessing night one. Here's why they play this song in places where there's a big river. Yeah. St. Louis. That's the only time they've played it this year. Okay. Um, the, they played it twice last year, once um, at Cincinnati, which backs right up to a giant river. I was there for Makes that. Sense. Yeah. The time before that was in 2021 in St. Louis, um, before that in Cincinnati, and this would be the fourth time that they've played it in Boston. They played it at hmm. um, Fenway in 16, they played it at Fenway in 17, and they played it at TD Garden in later in 17. Because of the Charles River in Boston, a central feature of the city of Boston. So I definitely think that this song is going to be played this weekend. To me, it's just a question of which night. I'm going to hedge my bets by saying night one because I've got the first pick for Sunday. So if they don't play it, I'm going for it again on Sunday. There you go. You're right back in it. So that's my logic. Brown-eyed women and Big River. And I also get the nice um, theme of bees. I'm going with bee songs in honor of Boston, in honor Hmm. of the bees, the bees as they're called. And the Boston Red Sox have that B logo that's all over their ballpark at Fenway. So um, that's my, that's my, my picks for night one. I'm sticking to them. What's your second pick? My second pick, I was also thinking about where they are and what, what are some, some calling cards of Boston and Boston is a very aquatic city. Like the aquarium is a big deal. It's, it's on the water shipping in and out the boston tea party uh, tea party yep all that stuff is important so i thought what's the most what's what's a song that really encompasses like harbor life or you know life on the docks and i'm i'm sticking away i'm going to the other end of the alphabet i'm going near the end for a w so i'm going with warfrat because i think that that song has a a harbor a a life at sea life on the docks kind of vibe and that vibe fits the city of boston as like if you want to equate it to boston is to the east what maybe that vibe on san fran is to the west so that's my pick and i'm going with some wharf rat i love it um for a second i thought you were gonna say jackaro and i was like oh my god that would be a deep pull that would be a, a deep cut i'm not bold enough to do that just yet um maybe but, for night hey, two. maybe night two. The they have not played that since 2018. So that would be a real surprise if mm. they busted out Jack Uh I hope that they do. That would be sick. Also, one thing uh in Boston, a couple years ago, they brought out Donna Jean in Boston. I don't know if she lives oh, there wow. now or what what the situation was with that, but that would be pretty awesome if if we had a, a God Show appearance or yeah, now I Donna would... Jean God Show McKay. I mean, bust bust Donna out. Let's get, get a plane in the, the band. Yeah. Um, let's get weird real quick. When, when we were at SPAC night two, we saw a plan and shout out to my cousin, Liam, who provided the Donna scream <laughs> the first time it rolled around <laughs> right before the first chorus. It was like just unexpected and so well-timed by him. And I think he's doing like, God's work. Absolutely. God shows work. <laughs> shout out to you, cousin Liam. That's a, that's tremendously good. All right, y'all, that's going to do it for Dave and I. Thank you for joining us, and um, we will be back 
I think it's just going to be Dave on Sunday to discuss night one at Fenway. And then we'll be back for the rest of the tour. Uh, We've had so much fun uh, doing these with you. So thank you for joining us. And until next time, know our love will not fade away.